Thank you for tuning in to our first episode of our program, Ephatha. Our first topic for discussion is about the movement started and promoted by the Savior. Here's our learning objectives. First is to have a working knowledge on the true movement of the Lord Yahshua that He not only started and promoted, but wanted to be continued until His return. And second is to compare present-day Christianity with the movement of the Messiah and understand its main differences. We will continue with our study when we return. Are you ready for the truth? For over 2,000 years, the message of the Christ, Yeshua, has been twisted, altered, and tailored to fit the different messengers from different time frames. That will stop today. Here's your disciple friend. He'll meticulously deliver to you the Lord's evangelical truth. You might ask, why is it important for us to study this topic? So that we can truly attain a genuine connection with the Savior. Let me begin our study by asking this question. Would the Lord Yahshua be here today and personally be interacting with all those who believe in Him as God's Son and Savior of the world? Would He be able to identify Himself with them and their religion of Christianity? Would He not be shocked to see how Christianity, the movement that even carries His title, is filled with discord and contempt among the different groups or churches? We will cover these issues as we continue in our study. During the days of the Savior's earthly ministry, there were already many people who believed in Him, particularly from His own people, the Jews. How could they not believe when they have personally witnessed the miracles that He has performed unto them? However, what did the Savior tell those who already believed in Him to do? Let us begin reading. The Gospel according to John in chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed Him, If you abide in My word, you are My disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The Savior told those who already believed in Him to become His disciples. How? By abiding in His word alone. What is the relevance of abiding in His Word? His Word is the truth that shall make one free. Now here's a keeper. The Lord's disciples are free men, as they are freed by His Word. Now what else can we learn from the statement of the Christ? That simply believing in Him does not make one His disciple. You can believe in the Lord Yahshua as God's Son and as the Savior of the world. You can even be a registered member of your church for life, but that does not automatically make you His disciple. What is the proof? Well, there were already Jews who believed in Him, and yet He still told them to abide in His Word for them to become His disciples. Here's an evangelical fact. Whereas all disciples are believers, not all believers are disciples. That is a lie that is deeply embedded in the community of Christ believers. The work, therefore, of the Savior is to make those people who believe in Him as His disciples. And later in our study, we will learn His reasons why. 
What does it mean being a disciple of the Messiah? It means one follows only Him and only His ways. Now here's one distinction between Christianity and the Lord's program of discipleship. Christianity makes people to become members of the different churches. While the Christ makes people to become His followers. Once again, let us understand that the word disciple does not mean member. It simply means follower. Now here are some trivia questions that surely support our stance. If the Savior's work is to make disciples, then why is it that Christianity is now prevalent? And in fact, the world's biggest religion, while true disciples of the Lord are hard to find. It is because the Roman Catholic Church, in its earliest stage, started the practice of basing their doctrines on yet someone else's gospel. That is the gospel of Paul, the self-proclaimed apostle of the Lord. This mixture of the Lord's non-judgmental mindset with the Pharisaic outlook of Paul has produced a hybrid movement that we all know today as Christianity. Here's another trivia. How many times did the Lord mention the term Christian as well as the term Christianity? Zero time. How about this? How many times did Paul mention the term disciple? Zero as well. In fact, the term Christian could be attributed to Paul as he was with the disciples when they were first called Christians in Antioch. And that is very well documented in the book of Acts in chapter 11, the verse is 26. Now going back to our study, let us ask, what will become of the people who follow the Savior as his disciples? Let us read his statement in Luke chapter 6, verse 40. A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. This is the noble goal of those who follow the Savior. They are in the process of becoming like Him. And this is exactly what He wants people to become. In what way? How can anyone become like the Christ Yahshua? One can become like Him when he or she possesses his mindset or his paradigm. It is then very important for us to first understand the true nature and character of the Lord Yahshua. For this is the only way we can gauge ourselves if we are truly becoming like Him. Now, going back into the prophecies, how is the Messiah prophesied in the scriptures? Let us read one of the prophecies of Isaiah in chapter 42, in verses 18 and 20. Hear you deaf and look you blind that you may see. Who is blind but my servant, or deaf as my messenger whom I send? Who is blind as he who is perfect, and blind as the Lord's servant? Seeing many things, but you do not observe. Opening the ears, but he does not hear. In the prophecy of Isaiah, there is a blind servant of God who is perfect. Not only is this perfect servant of God blind, he was also prophesied to be deaf. However, is the prophesied entity physically blind and deaf? No, he is not. 
He can actually see many things. And if you read it from the complete Jewish Bible, his ears are actually open, meaning he can hear. How then was he prophesied to be a blind servant and deaf messenger of God? Because no matter how much he witnesses by sight or hearing, he refuses to observe. Therefore, he has a character and mindset of being non-judgmental and non-condemning. Who alone could this prophesied servant or messenger of God be? None other than God's Son Himself, the Savior Yahshua, who is very well identified as being non-judgmental. Now, how did the Lord Yahshua prove His non-judgmental mentality? There was an event in the life of the Savior, very well recorded in the 8th chapter of John. When the scribes and Pharisees brought unto Him a woman who was caught in adultery, they tested his rigidity with the laws of Moses in their effort to put him in trouble. Did the Christ bring judgment upon the woman who was already proven to be such a big sinner based on the assumption of the law and therefore deserves the punishment of death? No, he did not. Even unto the woman who was already proven to be an adulteress, the Savior refused to bring judgment and condemnation upon her. Instead, what did he declare publicly? He said, I judge no one. You can read that in that same chapter, in John chapter 8. You can read that, start reading in verse 13 until 15. Now, how else did he prove his non-condemning character? Let us read his statement in John 12, verses 47 and 48. And if anyone hears my words and does not believe, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. Friends, ladies and gentlemen, let me present to you the real Yahshua, the Son of God and Savior of mankind. He was and never will be judgmental. That is his character and life. And he wants us to be like him, of being non-judgmental and non-condemning. Just go ahead and read the book of Luke in chapter 6, verse 37. There he said, judge not and you shall not be judged. Condemn not and you shall not be condemned. But instead, Forgive and you shall be forgiven. Herein lies the sharp contrast between the teachings of the Savior and of Christianity. While the Lord lived by his code of being non judgmental, most of Christianity since the very beginning has been very judgmental. How then could Christianity be the movement of the Christ when it conflicts with his mindset? Now, how did the Savior able to live a non-judgmental and non-condemning life? And how can one who follows Him be perfectly trained to be like Him? Here is the simple ingredient. In John 15, 9 until 10, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. 
abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. The single reason why the Savior remained to be non-judgmental and non-condemning is love. It is the same love that he wants his followers or disciples to possess so that we may become like him and nothing else. It is not your monetary contributions to your church. It is not your constant attendance in your church's services that can make you like the Christ, that can make you like the teacher, but the love of the teacher. If so, in as much as we ought to love the life of the Christ, more so we ought to live His love. Now, how else does Christianity as a religion differ from the way and movement of the Savior that is of making disciples? After the passing of the first disciples, most churches have become very well-organized earthly organizations. Especially in our present time, they're structured to be like commercial corporations with its own different hierarchies and regulations. Did the Savior ever envision his movement to morph into what it is now today? How did he describe his disciples and their consistent existence in the world? Listen, in John 3, 8, this is what he said. The wind blows where it wishes. Let me repeat myself. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. The true disciples of the Lord are those whom he referred in this verse as those who are born of the Spirit. And to what did he compare them? He compared them unto the wind in such that although you know of their existence, yet you cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. If that is the case about his disciples, then we can safely conclude that they are not, they are not an organization. Friends, I can already sense your negative reaction to this particular exposition. May I ask somehow that you please bear with us in our next studies we plan to present the truth about the evangelical meaning of the term ecclesia, which was wrongly translated in English as church. Now, how else did Christ prove that his movement of making disciples is not designed to become like an earthly organization? He wanted them all to love, respect, and treat each other equally. After all, they are all free men, aren't they? And for such, they answer to no one else but him. How so? Let's listen to what he says in Mark 10, verses 42 and 45, until 45. But Jesus called them to himself and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to, be, to become great among you shall be your servant, and whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all. 
for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. No one is authorized by the Savior to exercise authority among his disciples. On the contrary, all of them have to count himself a servant. For even the Savior did not come to be served, but to serve. Once again, that is not the picture of today's Christianity. Otherwise, there would not be the titles of Pope, President, Executive Minister, Director, and so on and so forth. In the movement of the Savior, there are always only two titles. That of disciples and that of the teacher. That of kings and king of kings. That of Lord and Lord of Lords. As recorded in Revelation chapter 19 verse 16. In our next study, we will discuss how the disciples of the Christ are, are all counted as kings. They're all counted as lords, just like him. Now, why did the Lord Yahshua focus on making disciples? It is because disciples are expected a great deal of responsibilities and duties before God and Christ. What are those duties? To start off, they are the ones referred by the Savior as the true worshipers who are sought by the Father to worship Him in spirit and truth, as recorded in John 4, 23 and 24. They are the same ones who were prophesied in Isaiah 43, 10, to be God's witnesses, as well as the true ambassadors of the Christ, Yahshua, who will always model His spirit of peace and love unto the, the entire world. They will also be the same ones who will take on the task of confessing or preaching about Him and His genuine message that is free from any form of judgment or condemnation. Now on top of all this, sacred disciples do this. What other responsibility did the teacher confer unto His disciples? Let us listen to His pronouncement in Matthew 28 verses 19 and 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. A true disciple makes other disciples. How? By teaching them all that he learned from him. And anyone who wants to become counted as a disciple of the Lord cannot escape from this great responsibility. What is the promise of the Lord unto those who will do their best in fulfilling this commission of making more disciples who are true followers of the Christ, Yahshua, alone? He promised to be with them even until the end of the age. Friends, we invite you all to join us in this work. The true disciples of the Christ are the same people whom He counts as friends. You can read that in John 15, verses 13 until 15. Thus, when we turn people into non-judgmental individuals who live the love of the Savior, we are making more of His friends. On the other hand, how does the Savior consider those who refuse to take on His cross or responsibility to follow Him 
and make more followers or disciples of him. The Lord said in Matthew 10, 38, he is not worthy of me. Now, why should we not possess any doubt in deciding to follow the Lord as his disciples who make other disciples from all over the world? Are we going to lack anything? If we give the highest priority unto the true movement of the Savior, listen to what he said in Luke chapter 18, verses 28 until 30. Then Peter said, See, we have left all and followed you. So he said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or parents or brothers or wife or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who shall not receive many times more in this present time and in the age to come eternal life. You hear the great fortune promised by the Savior unto all who will follow him to do his work. You will truly receive many times more in this present time. And the greatest promise is in the age to come eternal life please take note of this although salvation from God's punishment is guaranteed to all who call unto the Lord however eternal life is guaranteed only to those who follow him may you allow this promise of the Messiah to sink in deep into your hearts he is calling you to be in his service are you willing to partner with him? Before we end this episode, let me disclose that in all of our presentations, we will refer to the Hebrew name of the Savior, Yahshua, instead of the English version of Jesus or Jesus in Spanish and many other languages. After all, it was the Hebrew given name of the Savior and even the Gospel of Philip counted by many as a Gnostic gospel, is very direct in stating how it is okay to translate the title Christ, as it simply means the Anointed One, Messiah or Savior, but that the name Yahshua should not be translated in any other languages. Once again, thank you for your time. This is your disciple friend asking you to allow the genuine truth of the Lord Yeshua Christos to make us into people who are like him, disciples who love his life, disciples who live his love. Until next time. You've just been served the truth of the Savior. Please continue to listen to our show, Ephatha, and let your minds be open to the Lord's message. We also invite you to visit our website at www.spiritualhouse.info and be baptized with the living water of the Lord and King, Yeshua Christos.